All right, guys, before we get going here, we brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. If you guys haven't checked out Hassle Cattle Company, you're missing out. Uh, it's the absolute best source for farm to table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company, they're a fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship everywhere and they've got everything. Uh, they can meet all of your neat, meat needs and desires. They've got blue collar Wagyu. Uh, it's the best damn Wagyu out there. And they've got New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank, two jerky flavors. Their hamburger one food networks, Northeast burger jam. So it's awesome meat. It's affordable. You guys can get 10% off with the code DNVR10. And you can also get free shipping with any order over $200. Check them out. HassleCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. They ship meat to you, blue collar Wagyu, and you can get it for 10% off with the code DNVR10 at H-A-S-S-E-L-L HassleCattleCompany.com. Welcome in to the DMVR Nuggets podcast. We are, of course, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook. They've got some absolute can't-miss props. Um, I think I saw something on there, Brendan. I don't know if you've seen this on DraftKings. It's like a ridiculous uh, low over-under for the nuggets Speakers game coming up. Pretty much the more people that bet the over the lower down the point total dropped do you know where it's at right now like 10 points i'm guessing six points so there's your uh DraftKings lock of the week just yeah. get that out of the way guys uh hammer the over that's an easy bet free 50 dollars at this point i think harrison they should score more than six points yes so if the nuggets and lakers combine for over six points you can get a free $25 on DraftKings Sportsbook. So uh, check that out. Of course, that other voice you hear is Brendan Vote on the other line. What's going on, man? What's up, man? We've missed you in this string of losers loungers. It's uh, getting depressing over there at the DNVR bar. <laughs> I know. It's it's funny. I always bitch and moan about going to the arena and, and going to games in uh, the COVID era. It's, it's kind of depressing. You're just sitting there by yourself. The amount of media at games has also just been dwindling. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it's it's uh, just the diehards now. But I do have to say, Monday night, sitting there watching Nikola Jokic and Giannis duel it out and um, how fun of a game that was for most of it, I don't know. I, I was appreciative of, of being there for that one. So I'm not going to complain anymore. I'm, I'm going to be thankful for what I've got and um, – I enjoyed being there Monday for Nuggets Bucks. First half of that game was super fun, right? Didn't have any big moments per se, but the pace was great. And I always feel, man, Giannis is one of the very top guys that if you can, you just have to see in person. I mean, just watching your brain has a hard time catching up with watching a guy that looks like that move like that. He's one of my elite. Of course he is. Uh, watches. Yeah, no, no doubt. Me too. And um that was a wild game, like you said. I think the Nuggets and Bucks they combined to attempt 29 threes or something like that in the first quarter, which was um, it was wild. It, it was wild, and uh, it was a fun game for sure. So 
We got a lot to get into today uh, towards the back half of the show. I think we're going to kind of do a little bit of a state of the nuggets and just kind of go over some of the uh, concerns, anything we're encouraged about with the team, talk about the uh, Jokic MPJ drama from Monday night, where Jamal Murray's at, uh, the latest on the Bradley Beal front, which uh, is heating up on uh, Nuggets Twitter, courtesy of one tweet by uh, the very own Bradley Beal. Come Bradley. <laughs> He knew what he was doing. He knew. Did he? Did he? I, I don't know, but he does now. A lot of Nuggets fans in his mentions. We'll, we'll talk about it. But first, though, the Nuggets have a game Wednesday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's the great thing about this truncated season, Brendan, is that you can't stir on a loss for that long. Yes. you you got to get right back on the court and kind of put whatever happened behind you and just take on the next opponent. Uh, but the Nuggets welcoming the Cavs to Ball Arena on Wednesday. The injury report has come out for that game. Gary Harris and P.J. Dozier are still out. Faku Campazo is probable. And Jamal Murray is off the injury report. He is off yeah. the injury report, Brendan. What did you think about that? Yeah, that's obviously the big takeaway. It's a little confusing. I mean, I guess I don't really know what Jamal Murray's status is with regards to what's bruised or sprained or not sprained. Um, you know, he's clearly not himself. He's telling us he's, he's hurting to see him off the injury port altogether is a, a little confusing to me when I, I, he's, I think Jamal Murray is better than this, his inconsistency in, in seasons past, notwithstanding to me, it's clearly that he's not at 100%. And if that's the case, then, then a, why is he playing and B, why are we pretending he's not hurt? This is an interesting development. Yeah. Let me run down the the injury timeline for Murray real quick, just so we can paint the picture. Uh, elbow contusion, third game of the season against the Rockets, then picks up the shoulder sprain, uh, then missed that recent Sacramento game, left knee soreness. And then I saw him hurt his right knee at, at some point early on in the second half. Uh, he was kind of rubbing it, trying to massage it. It was clearly bothering him. And I think that's the reason he, he was kind of invisible in that second half. So all of those injuries kind of have piled on top of one another. And apparently Jamal reveals this post game that it's gotten to a point where he's had to alter his entire in-season routine. Like we know Jamal's a guy who's such a maniacal worker. He's always in the gym, always getting shots up. He said Monday night that the injuries are so bad, he's trying to save his body, and he's not shooting on off days. He's only getting up shots on game day. So at a shoot around the morning and then, you know, in his pregame work and uh, in a game, obviously. That not, was, on the in, not on the injury report, though. <laughs> yeah, that was so surprising, man. That, that was surprising. Yeah, I mean, that to me was the most revealing statement he's made yet, right, about – just how to, to what extent he is hurting and this is holding him back and you know I don't want to beat a, a dead horse everyone's sort of made this point on and off our show but at what point Harrison do the Nuggets stop treating Jamal Murray's first third of the of the season here like it's as, as you said to me off air the middle of the Western Conference Finals yeah. and you know I, I get I'm sure the idea is that Malone doesn't feel like he can trust a lot of guys right now. They don't have a lot of bodies and he doesn't want to hemorrhage wins in the meantime, but man, lately they kind of are. <laughs> if he can't contribute, if it's that bad that he's, his routine is off. I mean, don't you got to start thinking about working towards getting him healthy at some point. 
Definitely. And it would be one thing if like the Nuggets had had Jamal Murray or Jamal Murray had had himself, because I, I think if he wanted to sit down for a couple of games, the team would be like, okay, cool. Right. But he clearly wants to keep playing. If he had played through all of this and the Nuggets were the number one seed in the West right now, that would be something. But he's gone balls to the wall. He's gone all out. So has Nikola Jokic, and we'll get to him later. And the Nuggets are 12 and 11, you know? Like, he's played through all these injuries, and they're a 500 team. Yeah. So they really don't have anything to show for it. If it was up to me, I would sit him down for at least a week. I just think that's kind of the only option. And um, this is probably – Look, there's no good time to do it, but I feel like it's something you've probably got to address right now. Not having Gary Harris and PJ Dozier and Faka Composos banged up, that doesn't make that decision any easier. Or right, easier. right. But I mean, it, the rubber has kind of met the road, I feel like. I was going to ask if you think they'd be any more likely to do it if those guys were healthy. And, and probably, probably, but, you know, I'm alone. I just... <laughs> I, I guess it's a Murray decision, right? So long as he's not physically unable to go, they're asking him and he's saying he wants to go and he can go. So I, if Composo's healthy, you know, or healthy enough that he can play at some point during this stretch of games here, you just got to do it. I mean, what's the point of having this many point guards, this many playmakers, if you can't get your lead guard arrest, it, it's time. Yeah. Um, Jamal goes four of 17 last night, one of seven from three. And one of my big takeaways post game, just speaking to him, is that like Nikola Jokic, like Will Barton, like Michael Malone, the Nuggets were as frustrated after Monday's game as I've seen or heard them all season. Yeah. Especially Murray. Murray, you know, like Barton did, like Yoke even did, wanted to shoulder all the blame for the loss. He just flat out said he's got to play better. And so, I really feel like he's recognizing that he's not playing well right now. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure he looks at his stats and sees that his season averages are, and we've talked about this on the show, the exact same as they've been the last couple of years. He hasn't taken that step yet. He's still the same inconsistent guy he's been throughout his entire career. And I've got to think that's eating at him. Um, and I'm glad I'm glad you highlighted that. And that was your takeaway because I felt like Jamal Murray specifically and the team as a whole have been taking a preaching patience, right? You know, more or less telling everyone to relax. It's a long season, slow start. And this was the first time I heard Murray himself, uh, both about his individual play and the team really stop and say like, all right, Hey, this isn't good enough. So, you know, look, it, the frustration here is going to be something to watch how it affects Jokic, how it affects Murray, how it affects Malone. The Denver Nuggets are, are beyond that sort of honeymoon phase now. It's, are they real or are they not? Championship aspirations, whether that's realistic or not, and you're just sort of seeing the weight of the pressure start to start to come down on their shoulders a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, also of note, uh, I guess I kind of rattled off the injury report there, but Gary Harris, PJ Dozier are out. Faka Campazzo might play. Uh, he was cleared to play in this last game against Milwaukee. Michael Malone said he didn't think he was ready, so he held him out. All of that means Colin Sexton's probably going to go off. Oh, 
against the Nuggets um, Wednesday night. Sexland is coming to Denver. <laughs> Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, backcourt. And I think they're going to have a really good time. Is that how you read this matchup? It has to be, right? It has to be. And, you know, for me, one of the things with, with the way Jamal Murray's playing and, and better affected by these injuries is if it were just the shot making, all right, fair enough. But to me, lately, it's permeated his defense. It looks like he's a little tired at, at, in second half, so you're seeing some of those lazy passes. But focusing on the defense, you know, he's banged up, hasn't been a great defender throughout his career to begin with. Morris is just too small, and there's no Gary Harris. This point of attack defense is going to be porous at best. These are the type of matchups that kill Denver, and I think Colin Sexton's – we can just get ahead of the DraftKings bit tomorrow, like now, <laughs> yeah. take the over on Colin Sexton. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because Cleveland comes into this game 10-15. and 15. They're below 500 in the East, but – Colin Sexton's been balling this year. Cleveland also has the worst offense in the league. It's pretty much the Colin Sexton show. Um, they have a respectable defense, a better defense than Denver on the season. The Cavs are the 16th ranked defense. Nuggets are 22nd. So uh, they could provide some, um, they, they could provide something there that Denver has to fight through, but it's tough to envision Colin Sexton having a bad game. He's had good games against the Nuggets before. And we know the Nuggets' point of, of attack defense has been their biggest weakness on that end of the floor over the over these last couple of years. The other thing that worries me about this matchup, Milwaukee really hurt the Nuggets on the offensive glass. Andre yes. Drummond's averaging 14.2 rebounds per game, 4.2 offensive rebounds per game. Him beating Denver up on the offensive glass and just getting Cleveland second chance opportunity after second chance opportunity – that's another concern I have in this one. So th those are the top two things I'll be watching for. Um, can the Nuggets keep Colin Sexton out of the paint? And, hey, he's also shooting 43% from three. And oh. can we keep Andre Drummond off the offensive glass? Yeah, I think the Cavs as a whole, looking at cleaning the glass, fourth in the league offensive rebounding percentage. They do a great job. But no Larry Nance Jr. Uh, and, and no Kevin Love, right? So they're, those are two rebounders, two big bodies that, that won't be there. Torian Prince – We'll start at power forward. Uh, what does that look like for Paul Millsap, who in theory is a rebounding advantage for Denver here with that matchup, but has struggled, I think, guarding some smaller, quicker guys. So we'll have to see. The good news, though, Harrison, you're not looking at a dynamic offensive wing in this game. So maybe some sweet respite for MPJ and the Denver Nuggets in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no doubt about that. Let's hit a break real quick. Uh, we'll come right back and just talk about some bigger themes around this team. Jokic and Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray's play this year. The lack of defense on the wing like you were just talking about. Uh, but first, though, fellas, if you're slacking on your Valentine's Day plans, if you don't have a reservation yet, A, either get one because they're filling up, or B, take advantage of this really cool thing that Breckenridge Brewery is doing They've teamed up with Half-Baked Harvest to give you guys an awesome recipe for a creamy brown butter mushroom chicken. Head to uh, Breck Brew's Twitter or their Instagram to find a recipe, but it's vanilla porter themed. Uh, so if you're into the vanilla porter, you're into Breck Brew, uh, check out that recipe and whip up a really great uh, Valentine's Day dinner for you and your special someone. Also, as we teased at the top of the show, DraftKings Sportsbook 
has set the over for the Lakers Nuggets game this coming week on February 14th on Valentine's Day. What it is, as we explained, is for everyone that bet the over, that line drops and drops and drops. And it's crazy low right now. It's at like, what what was it? Six points, seven points, six points, six points, six points. So as long as the Nuggets and Lakers score over six points, you get paid out. So head to DraftKings Sportsbook now. Get this thing to zero. Hammer the over. Hammer the over. It's a no-brainer. For every 1,000 people to opt in, DraftKings Sportsbook will lower the over total by one point. So uh, you can imagine where it started. That's how many people are in on this promotion uh, right now. Doesn't matter how many units, half units, etc., that you place. All that matters is you place the bet to get that over down to zero. This is a no-brainer uh, from DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Use the hashtag HammerTheOver on social when you place the bet let's get this trending so we can make it happen hammer that over all the way down to zero all right back here on the dnvr nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook harrison wind along with brendan vote so we can really go any direction uh vote we can talk yoke michael porter jr and the fallout from um what happened monday night against milwaukee we can talk Jamal Murray. We can talk defensive issues. Where do you want to go? Man, well, I do. You weren't there to talk about it last night. We did exhaust it a bit in the show, but I do kind of want your extended thoughts on, on MPJ and Jokic and Jokic's comments, which you were there for, which yeah. I think are really the biggest thing to focus on here uh, as far as takeaways from that interaction. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's set the context here. Um Michael Porter Jr. takes an ill-advised three early in the fourth quarter with the Nuggets down by nine. Uh, Nikola Jokic pretty much slumps his shoulders, puts his arms down in frustration, and stands flat-footed as that shot misses. Milwaukee gets the rebound, races down the floor, and hits a three. It was a big moment in the game. And then Jokic revealed after the game that he pretty much told Michael Porter Jr. in the locker room, uh, that was a bad shot. I've got the whole quote here. Um, quote, I told him after the game, I think it's just a bad shot. It was not the timing. We kind of had the lead. It was a contested shot. The guy was right there. I think it was just a bad shot and a bad moment. And I wanted to win the game. He wants to win the game. We want to win the game. So frustration is something that is just part of the game. So my read on this and it was kind of my lead in my story on the dnvr.com after this loss is that Jokic is just really frustrated. And I think it's boiling over a little bit in that incident and a couple other instances where he just was really frustrated Monday night. And I think it's boiling over because he's not getting enough help. And we've been on this all season long. And I mean, it's just been obvious, but He's been absolutely carrying the Nuggets on the offensive end of the floor from minute one of game one of the first quarter of the Nuggets' first game of the season. And Monday against Milwaukee, uh, he had help in the first half. Will Barton had 20 points. But in the second half, Nikola Jokic scored 23 of Denver's 50 second-half points. Monte Morris 
was the Nuggets' second leading scorer in the second half. He had seven points. So, and there's a lot more to get into, but that was my read on it. Um, he's frustrated that Michael Porter Jr. is not up to speed yet. He's frustrated that kind of Jamal Murray is lagging a little this year. And I've got to think, you know, for as selfless as this guy is, as much as he doesn't complain, as good of a teammate he is, I've got to think it's just getting to him that it's really up to him and only him every night if the Nuggets win or lose. And he just has a tremendous responsibility on his back right now to carry this team. And we've all marveled at his approach to date, right? And I think it was the, the pleasant surprise of the season, not that Jokic is playing so well, but that he appeared ready to shoulder this burden mentally. And Malone's talked about that's, you know, one of the things he's most proud of for him this year. That's one of the messages he's been on with Jokic is stay positive, right? Um, and I think it'd be one thing for Jokic if his teammates simply weren't good enough, but it's a process thing. He's such a process-oriented player. And when his teammates aren't playing the right way around him and he's dragging a boulder up the mountain, right? And it, and it rolls back down because they aren't playing the right way. With that stuff, you do have to wonder, like, is there a limit, right? On Yoke's goodwill and, and Yoke's willingness to just sort of be that guy and smile through it all. Yeah. And I've seen some stuff on Twitter over the last, you know, 12 hours since Nuggets lost last night. Monday night to the Bucks, like, oh, Yo does Jokic hate MPJ? Does he want MPJ traded? Does he not believe in Michael Porter Jr.? And I wrote this Monday. Yoke has always kind of recognized, at least I think he has, a Porter's talent and his skill set. Like, if you remember, in the seating round in the bubble, Jokic was praising Michael Porter Jr.'s ability as a cutter. Uh, there was yeah. a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder where five of Jokic's 10 assists came via Porter Baskets. And that's when they actually were really kind of building a chemistry in that seeding round, ironically enough, or not ironically enough, when Jamal Murray was not playing. And then just two weeks ago, vote, Jokic claimed that he's confident in Porter, quote, taking any shot. And that when Porter shoots, he always feels like it's going in. Right. So, I think Yoke has always been a believer in Porter's talent and his upside and his potential and his skill set, just like the Nuggets always have been. But this is kind of the, the overriding issue, and this is really kind of the overriding issue of the Nuggets season right now. When Jeremy Grant bolted in free agency, even before Jeremy Grant bolted in free agency, let me back up. The Nuggets getting back to the Western Conference Finals and not just getting back, but improving on their Western Conference Finals finish last, last season was mostly dependent on Michael Porter Jr. making the leap, yeah. at least in my opinion. And especially when Jeremy Grant bolted, even more pressure kind of fell onto Michael Porter Jr.'s shoulders, I think. Tim Connolly came out and said it preseason. It's an open secret around here that, you know, this is a huge year for Michael Porter Jr. and we need him to take that next step. It seemed like everybody was on the same page. And after kind of what happened in the bubble and the promising moments he showed in the playoffs, I felt like that could happen sooner than later, Porter making the leap. But it just hasn't. It's been a really slow build. And him missing two and a half weeks, being out yeah. COVID probably had a lot to do with it. And – he just hasn't come along 
as quickly as I thought he would and probably as quickly as Jokic and the Nuggets thought he would too. So I've got to think some of the frustration is because of that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's also all it's all relative to what he can do, right? And that's there's going to be more pressure on Mike than anyone else. And so if you're listening and you're like, you know, why do they always harp on Mike's mistakes? Why is it always about Mike? It just is. It's the season's about him because he is that swing factor between unplayable and third star on this team. And, and so that's just going to be the way it is for, for Michael Porter Jr. And so I'm with you, man. You and I have always agreed on this, that Jokic totally understands how important MPJ is, what he can do. And it doesn't shock me at all that, you know, Porter's deficiencies rub Jokic the wrong way. Like he's a process guy. Porter's the opposite. (laughs) It's talent, talent, talent. So if they figure this out, which is of course a big, if, you know, we have to brace ourselves for this, not being a linear process. And I liked Jokic's comments about like, look, this is natural. I'm paraphrasing here, right? Like these are my thoughts on his comments, but this is sort of a natural point of conflict um, for a team with high expectations and, and with two guys that are very competitive and rookies get yelled at. So uh, it's not a problem until we see how Porter responds. And if he doesn't respond well. Yeah. Well, if this is the guy that Porter remains throughout the season, it could become a problem because sure. the nuggets probably could have had James Harden by now. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. They could have had a couple other guys probably, but they have faith in Porter. And at the time, and even still now, I think that was the right decision. Um, But there's just a lot of pressure on him to ascend to this guy that we think he can be and that the Nuggets are banking on him being. Um, But there's a concern right now, I think, um, that his progress has been so slow this season. And like I just said, I, I, I really do think him being out for as long as he did affected him a lot because he just hasn't had that same confidence since returning. But it's even, you know, some of the things on the defensive end of the floor. He has grown as a defender. He, he is making reads on defense and getting to spots this year that he wasn't last year. But still, vote it – looks like at times on defense, he's still like in his first month or two in the NBA, right. he's making mistakes on defense. Still, he's making the same mistakes that he made last year at the beginning of the season. And look, like I just said, he has grown as a defender. He has gotten better in a lot of areas there, but the mistakes still are so loud and where he's at right now, I have a hard time envisioning Michael Malone trusting him like in crunch time of a playoff game. I just do. He's well behind the curve and and there's, there's no need to pretend otherwise. And, you know, year three, he hasn't played a lot of games in his basketball career, but he's been around a professional team now for for quite some time. I think he just crossed the 82 game mark of like NBA games. So as far as getting, as far as getting comfortable and stuff out there, like that's sure. if, If that's understandably delayed, but, you know, mentally, he's still so far behind the curve where you go like, yeah, th- this is a little bit concerning. And, and it's not all complex stuff. We're not necessarily talking about knowing the playbook. Sometimes we're just talking about knowing where to stand, what gambles are worth it. 
And so, yeah, man, it's going to be a huge point of concern and it's always going to be magnified when his shots aren't falling, which they haven't been lately. And, and so you live with it if he's scoring 20 to 30 and barely dribbling, but that's not the case right now. And it seems like he's hemorrhaging confidence. Yeah, I agree with that last point. He seemed shook a little bit in this last game, especially the second half after he had those quick two turnovers in the third quarter. But Porter's averaging over his last five games, 8.8 points on 38.1% shooting from the field. Not great. And Not great. this is the guy who was the model of offensive efficiency, really, um, no matter how many minutes he played or no matter what his role was uh, so far throughout his NBA career. So, I mean, I still have confidence because I've seen it before. We saw it in the bubble. We saw it at times in the playoffs. We've even even seen it at times this season. Like yeah. I, I yeah. know we're ragging on him right now, but Michael Porter Jr. He had a thirty point game this year. You know, like he had a thirty point game this year after he came back from COVID. He had thirty points on ten of eighteen shooting and a win in Dallas at the end of January. Um, but over the last five games, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good offensively. It hasn't been good defensively, and. He's just really in need of a bounce back game. He needs a confidence building game so bad. So uh, what I do like though, is like Malone is sticking with them as much as he can, you know, yeah, he played him through it, played him through it last night. So yeah. he also doesn't really have much of a choice right now, but I mean, that's the thing, man. It's going to take a long time, I think, to figure out what, what the sort of middle ground is and the baseline is for MPJ, because when he's poor, he's, he doesn't even really look like much of a trade asset. And then when he's on, he looks like a, a 99th percentile offensive talent. So figuring out what he's going to be, you know, in between those two things, him missing all that time is the biggest development and story of the season to me, even more so than Murray's health or struggles, Michael Green, you know, the bench figuring it all out that he missed that time. Like it was a short runway as it were for the nuggets to get this thing off the ground with those three guys and they needed him to hit the ground running. And it's no secret that, that that's not been the case. Right. Because now you're in a situation where the nuggets are in this just gauntlet of a portion of their schedule. They're not going to have much practice time. I mean, I think barely anybody's practicing this year with sure. the COVID stuff and all the regulations and how careful you have to be. It's just, safer honestly not to practice and so he's missing out on that time uh, the time away from the team obviously halted whatever uh, whatever momentum he had early on this season so um it, it's been frustrating for sure all right let's hit another break here and on the other side we'll address the red hot bradley beal rumors Oh, yes. Also, uh, some other notes about this team. We'll be the first Nuggets commenters to talk about a Bradley Beal trade in history. We'll be the first people to have this conversation. <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to just making it a, a daily segment on the podcast. Bradley Beal Corner. Beal Tracker. Let's do yeah, it. I, I, I wouldn't be opposed. Uh, no matter what type of student you are, guys, MSU Denver Online is a great option uh, for you. If you are a first-time freshman going to school for the first time or you know, maybe you already have your undergrad and are looking to go back and get another degree. Check out MSU Denver online. 
They've got a summer semester that you can apply for right now. They've also got fall classes, of course, uh, coming up later on in the year. I took a class at MSU Denver Online last summer. It was a great experience. The teachers there, they have tons of experience teaching online. Uh, so they know how to get that information over to you in a super engaging and informative manner. They also can work with you if you have kind of an odd schedule. If you're not the typical student and you're working a job on the side, MSU Denver Online is willing to work with you uh, with whatever type of life you live. So check out their entire course list, msudenver.edu backslash online, register for a class today. Also, as you may know, Infinity Park right here in Glendale, Colorado is known as Rugby Town USA. In fact, the facility was recently designated the Rugby Town National Training Center, which is home of the USA Eagles men's and women's rugby 15 teams. The training center is experimenting with a new concept training crossover athletes to be rugby players. Guys like Galen Robinson, who played in the AAF and XFL, son of Glenn Big Dog Robinson, uh, Gerald McDowell, a former defensive lineman at Ole Miss, and the Calgary Stampeders of the CFL. Uh, they've got all these great athletes who are working out at Infinity Park right here in Glendale, Colorado. They have made the switch to be trained to become the next it factor in American rugby. So what's even better is our guy Colton Strickler has it all covered for you on the weekly DNVR rugby podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Check them out today. He's got you uh, covered on everything that has to do with rugby in Colorado. He's got great guests on there. Uh, learn Rugby 101 from Colton. Uh, so check him out today. All right, back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast, we are presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Harrison Winden, Brendan Vote here. So I don't know if you saw, Brendan, but Bradley Beal lit Nuggets Twitter on fire today with one quote tweet. He didn't even tweet a word. He didn't even tweet a sentence. He tweeted just a couple fire emojis on a uh, quote tweet of Nikola Jokic's logo that Nick DePaula uh, tweeted out. Something or nothing to bring back a good old DNBA game. Is this something oh, or nothing? Uh, you got to think about it, see? Look, man. You think about it. Look, man. I say this with only 10% seriousness. This might be something. Oh we, know, we know Bradley. I, I think we know. <laughs> it's not really what the word no means. I think Bradley Beal is at the end of his rope in Washington. <laughs> and is it his wife that's tweeting? Like, this is sad. Get him out of here. I can't. Someone in his related to Bradley has been tweeting. Yeah. Look, man. If you're Bradley Beal playing alongside Nikola Jokic, that idea, that idea has to be somewhat enticing after everything you've dealt with in Washington. Easy buckets, a lot of wins, maybe title contention in the future. Uh, probably nothing, Harrison, but maybe something. <laughs> oh, man. I want it to be something because I want – all NBA all-stars who are disgruntled to play with Nikola Jokic. Maybe yes. they all do. And we just don't know that. Like maybe they all do. <laughs> I mean, who, who am I to say? Um, I am going to say this tweet is absolutely nothing. <laughs> You're right, but I'm going to say it's nothing, but it has the ability to grow into something. There <laughs> I'll, we go. Say <laughs> I'll say that. 
Um, like the Wizards have been really careful in this Bradley Beal uh, drama because Tommy Shepard, their GM, knows he's been in this league forever. He knows the minute that a report comes out that says, oh, the Wizards are taking calls on Bradley Beal or no, Tommy Shepard, he's just reached out to gauge uh, what Bradley Beal could get him in a return for a trade. The minute that gets out, it's over. Mm. Like the minute that gets out about your superstar, that kind of starts the clock and that clock isn't very long. Um, It's over at that point. Like the writing is on the wall. So they've been very careful in saying, oh, we're not trading Bradley. We're going to rebuild with Bradley Beal. He wants to be here. And he's even done, a, I, I think, a commendable job in um, kind of saying all the right things. Yes. Although yeah. in the heat of the moment, when he looks like he wants to quit basketball in the middle of the <laughs> game, it's, it's tough to take him at yes. his word. You are right. You are right. He has an admirable effort of saying the right things and walking the walk so far of sticking it out in Washington. Yeah. So I I think he does get traded eventually. And the minute he comes on the block, he'll be linked to the Nuggets for sure. And knowing the Nuggets, I'm sure they'll call. And knowing the Nuggets, I'm sure they won't do a deal. Um, (laughs) I mean, if that's just how I had to speculate right now on February 9th, that could change as we get closer to the trade deadline for sure. I don't know what's going to happen in this next month, month and a half. Um, But if I had to bet, I'd say the Nuggets don't trade for Bradley Beal. Um, Could they get him if they offered up Michael Porter Jr.? You know, I don't know, maybe, probably. Um, But I just feel like we're pretty far away from talking about something like that. What do you think? Yes. I agree. I think, first of all, you, you're right that it has to start coming from Washington first, right? The real reports, Beal finally relents. Maybe maybe the Wizards cave and say something. Um, and then also, yeah, if you're Washington, there's no way you do this deal for anything less than MPJ. You definitely ask about Murray, too. You might as well if you're Washington. And you don't do this deal for a package that doesn't include at least one of those guys. And, you know, for Denver... The offense right now is humming with despite everything that's gone wrong and despite Jamal Murray not playing well and despite everything we just said about MPJ, the offense is humming. So does putting, does shipping out the 6'11 sharpshooter with maybe some room for growth on defense for Bradley Beal alongside Jamal Murray, does that really help the Denver Nuggets issues fix their issues? Like these are, these are such big questions the front office will have to ask themselves. And the asking price will be very, very high if, if you know, the recent market indicates anything. Uh, it, it's that it's going to be probably MPJ and several picks. So I'm with you, man. I, I think this discussion is still re- premature. And I think if the Nuggets had to get this deal done in the next you know, week or two, there's no chance it does. Yeah, I think Denver is still probably in wait-and-see mode, but – their patience is probably a little um they probably have a little less patience than they did at the start of the season sure i I would certainly think so i'm with you in the fact that like the nuggets don't necessarily need bradley beal's offense from like a team-wide standpoint the nuggets are fifth in offense right now and even after i just got done with that spiel about how 
you know, Nikola Jokic doesn't have enough help. Like the Nuggets can still score. Um, but I do think like it does kind of go along with my argument earlier that if Denver just had that more stable number two option who you knew was going to go for 25 every night, that would just ease the pressure, ease their offensive responsibility off of Nikola Jokic a lot. Like that would just, if Jokic has to go 99% every game right now, he would have to go like 80%, you know, maybe every game with Bradley Beal just on the offensive end of the floor. Bradley Beal is just that type of bucket getter. Or can you even just like how many games from this season alone, the result swings. If there's five to eight minutes, Jokic off the floor, Nuggets win those minutes, right? If you're staggering and it's Beal with some help. Yeah. Um, right now, they they literally, it's like LeBron levels of they cannot survive Jokic off the floor right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. And, and like, you know, it's not just, it, it's the timeliness of it all. And, and having one other guy who's a legitimate bucket getter, who's going to scare the defense right now, which Shamal Murray isn't at all, um, it would ease the burden for Jokic. But I just don't know if it's the home run swing. And to take that home run swing and missed because the first third of the season didn't go the way you wanted to. um, It's just, it's pretty risky. Yeah, no. And it's also risky because Bradley Beal only has a year left on his contract, which we never even get to that layer. Yeah. But if he, or if his team could communicate to the nuggets that yes, he wants to be here, he will sign an extension, yada, yada, yada. Denver's still probably a little shaky on that after the Jeremy Grant fiasco. Definitely, man. Um, Definitely. But I I am much more in favor of potentially pursuing a Bradley Beal trade than I was, you know, at the start of the season for sure. And I agree. I'm kind of surprised I'm here. And a lot of it probably has to do with just that I am just lower – now generally on Porter than I was when the season started. I just have not seen the amount of growth that I expect on both ends of the floor. And part of it's definitely has to do with the fact that he was out and that kind of killed the early momentum he had, but um, it's just still a really slow build with him. And I look at how Nikola Jokic is playing this season and I don't know if he's ever going to have a better season than the one he's having right now. I just don't. And right now he's playing like he's the best player in the league. He is the best player in the league right now. And you don't know how many chances you're going to have if you're the Nuggets to win a championship. And you don't know how long and and for how many years Jokic is going to play at this level. You just don't. Um or when the next league's leading score is going to be available, right? And you have the assets to make the trade. Right. They haven't directly like gone for it this year. And, and instead they've opted to build like a big contending window and keep that contending window yeah. open as long as possible, which I, I think you can make an argument is the right thing to do, but you just don't know when Jokic is going to have another year Look. like 
that decision's always going to look like the wrong one if Porter's playing like this, right? That's just the bottom line. If he's not justifying that decision, then yeah, Denver looks like they're they're destined to be one of the many many teams that came close and, and fell short. So I'm with you that like if if I I'm not out on Porter, right? But if you made me decide today, guess today, is he going to be a positive impact player in the playoffs? To your point, no. I think right now, all, all signs point to no, or most signs point to no. So the other thing, though, man, is I always catch myself and I think, how different would all of this feel? The legitimate questions, the flaws in this roster, how different would it feel if Denver's second best player was playing accordingly? And Jamal Murray, if Jamal Murray was, we're not talking bubble Murray, just better, right? All-star level. We're not having this Bradley Beal conversation and we're probably preaching patience about MPJ. So that's just the one thing I, I, I can't lose sight of. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the right idea. Yeah. If Jamal Murray was the consistent player that we thought he was going to be this season, we're probably not having this conversation and we're probably just talking about how Denver can't stop any opposing small forwards. Yep. Which we could just focus on that other crippling, yeah, issue. which as, as you were saying earlier is probably the bigger issue than scoring right now uh, for even as loud as Jokic having to carry the team has been. And like, I, I've been on this all year, but on opening night, Harrison Barnes kind of set the tone for this with a big game. And now Harrison Barnes in like three matchups against the Nuggets is averaging 21 points oh. on 50% shooting. And Chris Middleton goes off last night. Um, so that is probably going to be a bigger issue uh, for the remainder of the season. And then the other thing to figure out, man, is, you know, like we spend a lot of time talking about Michael Porter Jr. as a small forward because that appears to be what the Denver Nuggets are intent on doing. Um, but, you know, when he was still a hypothetical, we talked about him playing in a range of positions. You know, is MPJ a power forward? Um, is it just the MPJ Millsap combination isn't going to work out? Do you need to just let MPJ play through this and, and get to some level of competent defensively as a wing? Can he do that? I mean, these are all questions that they can't even really begin answering right now because A, they're just trying to win games and B, guys are out like, PJ Dozier at three MPJ at four, I think is a tasty proposition at this point, but you can't even check it out. So um, it's not a great place. It's not a great, it's hard to sit here and preach patience right now. Um, but you know what? That's what I'm going to do anyway. Hey, it's uh, it's gotten them to this point. So it's probably not the worst thing to keep preaching it, but no, we'll see. Nuggets have the calves tomorrow or, you're probably listening to this Wednesday morning. So they've got the Cavs tonight. Tonight, yeah. Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. I'll be at Ball Arena for it. Probably a little less hype for this matchup than when Giannis came to town. <laughs> I'll be happy to be there. Uh, a pre-game show. Pre-game show, 6.30 uh, p.m. Mountain Time from the DNVR bar. Yeah, definitely. Make sure to turn into the pregame show. That's where Vote will be uh, with Adam, with Superstar Dev. Maybe D-Line will pop on there as well. And then they'll be on the postgame show immediately following the game, hopefully from the winner's lounge oh, at please. the DNVR bar. So that'll do it for us today. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, check out all our content on thednvr.com right now. A lot of what I talked about today you can find in my article there. Uh, vote had another great grades piece that's on the dnvr.com as well 
uh, check those out and we'll talk to you Wednesday night. Before we get out of here, guys, if you are looking to get your teeth cleaned or you need cavities filled, maybe you need to get your wisdom teeth out, check out Green Mountain Dental Group located in Denver. A lot of us here at DNVR go to Green Mountain Dental Group to get our teeth cleaned and whatever other dental work done that we need. Also, Green Mountain Dental Group is looking for an experienced office manager or bookkeeper. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's somebody you know who needs a job. It's a salaried position with great benefits, and you also get to work alongside great people like everybody at Green Mountain Dental Group is. So if you want more information on that, or if you want to set up a cleaning extra and exam, which can lead to a free Sonicare toothbrush, you get one of those from Green Mountain Dental Group when you schedule a cleaning extra and exam. Give them a call, 303-988-0711, or head to their website, greenmountdentalgroup.com, for further information.